I'm here. <laughs> Checking the temperature before we got too busy. What'd you say, Don? Yeah, left the house. Something else going on down the road. I know. <laughs> well, good morning. Good morning. Just uh, work our house into church. Um, if you didn't know where the restroom is, around the hallway to the left. Don't go that way. That's for Don. Don't go that way because it'll be a lively service after the fact because all our animals will come out and enjoy the fellowship. <laughs> and one of them's very large, so it won't be good. Again, um, welcome, and I hope you enjoy the fellowship today. Um, just a quick note on ministry-wise. Uh, you know, again, myself and son, um, we oversee an organization called Full Circle Refuge, and it's a juvenile justice ministry that works with high-risk, at-risk young men and women throughout the southeast. And um, you know, we're coming into our 20th year. It's amazing. Back in the day when I didn't think that. This is what God has called us to. It was just something to do. I thought it was, but God got a hold of our lives, and we have not looked back since. And um, it's been very fruitful. We've seen much change. Uh, we've seen transformed lives. We've seen things we can't even speak about. It's so amazing, you know, to see young men and women that are downtrodden, that are struggle, that have made a mistake in society, that they have been sentenced or been limited on their livelihood, and we have had an opportunity to speak truth into their life, to see them change the way they think and act. Um, it's been a great journey. I, I enjoy, and I enjoy more what God's going to do. Um, we're seeing so much fruit opening up. This, during the next couple months, definitely keep us in prayer. Um, we have some really major things that's going to happen. Um, as if you live in the state of Georgia, there's a law that's going to be enacted in January 2014. is called the Juvenile Justice Reform Act or law or bill right now. And the key is it's going to really drastically change how they deal with juveniles in the state of Georgia and hopefully save taxpayers some money. We hope. And that's the goal. But it's going to give Full Circle Refuge a potential and an open door to really make a major change um, in young men and women's lives. Um, pray for us. Next week we'll be meeting with the, one of the deputy commissioners of the state of Georgia Department of Juvenile Justice that's in charge of reentry. And it was of God's intervention that I got to personally speak to him at a town hall meeting, and he challenged that we need to meet and, and dialogue. So we have that meeting next Thursday. Myself and another one of our staff will be traveling near Atlanta to share what we have to offer. Um, you know, one of the three things, the three things I know that can change recidivism in the state of Georgia is, of course, a biblical church, especially, uh, definitely into a, a young man or a young lady that has made a confession of faith um, and is seeking to grow in the Lord. Um, definitely a real education, continue education, and in a legit job with real money. If these three things are provided to a young man or a young lady, <clears throat> the recidivism rate is cut down to almost nil. And I'm looking forward to being part of that change um, in the state of Georgia. So keep us in prayer. And the message I have for you today doesn't have anything to do with our ministry, but it might have a lot to do with it. You know, um, I think the, all of God's Word has something to do with any of our lives and what we deal with every single day. So... 
Pastor Bob has been <clears throat> on a journey here through Exodus, and he asked me to continue the journey for you today. Um, it's always unique, uh, expository type preaching. Um, it's not my cup of tea because of the clientele I deal with all the time. Um, as an evangelist or as a person that's really to challenge a young man, they're really dealing with topical issues and a, a transition at that time. You're trying to deal with a, a thing or really getting them to a, a confession of faith to understand who God is in their life. So this is good for me. I enjoy it. It's teachable to me because I believe that any message, even when I talk to the kids, when I'm sharing something with them, it's already been confirmed or challenging to me the message that God wants them to hear. And I hope that is for you today. Um, That as I studied, as God uh, challenged me, opened my eyes, my heart, my mind, and and hopefully increased my discernment of His Word, that um, it will go forth into your hearts and minds. That's the goal today um, of, of a preacher, you know, as we speak. So, we've been looking in and I... I'm a technology guy, and we don't have anything up here for you to look. And I, you know, we'll just see where what God leads. I, I, I just don't know. Sometimes, and I'm sure Bob feels like this sometimes that, you know, as a preacher, when God starts speaking, not that we're speaking like we're God, but God starts speaking, the Holy Spirit starts to move. Sometimes there's some things that you didn't even think about will come out at the moment. It's not on the screen, and it's sometimes difficult for me because I feel limited. You know, even though I'm limited by a script or my message today. You know, something else might come out. I hope that does it, what God wants all of us to know. So we've been studying Exodus, and we're up to in the last part of Exodus 34, which Bob has covered most of, of Exodus 34. And we would like to finish this up today to the end of the chapter. But to give it in context so we understand what we're dealing with, um, let's start right there in Exodus 34, verse 28. You know, let's start right there and get right into the context of what we want to talk about today. As this to reiterate and to confirm things, it says in chapter 34, verse 28, So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets or tables uh, the words, the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now back in, you know, ten chapters over in verse Chapter 24, um, some of this already happened the first time. You know, Moses remained on the mountain 40 days just as the first occasion. And then in the first part of 34, chapter 34, he, he wrote the Lord, the Lord wrote upon the tablets the Ten Covenants, as it states in chapter 34, verse 1. Now, as we get into the context of what we're here to share with you today, it's a very significant part of um, Exodus, all right, from where they transition, where the Israelites have transitioned to a confirmation of who they are and where they should be going. You know, starting in verse 29 as we read here. Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets or tables of the testimony were in Moses' hand and when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Now, the two tablets here of the testimony uh, was in his hand, which he already carried up to write on, because remember what happened to the first ones, you know. It was a kind of a competition there. But God wrote the law, the testimony, and this is key, testimony, and it became an evidence 
All right, and a decoration for the children of Israel. It confirmed some things. Um, as you remember, the first time when he came down, there was a kind of a confrontation, and they were, they were caught off guard um, about his, they thought he was probably left for dead, he wasn't coming back. You know, they were just going to find their own, as I say to the kids, they were going to find their own little G-God, their own statue, their own status, what they confirmed as God. Now, it states back in 31 of Exodus, just to confirm and tie all this up, in verse 18, and when he had made an end of speaking with him, that's 31, chapter 31, verse 18, on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets or tables of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. All right? I mean, that's pretty cool. I Man, that's like, wow, man. We, it, I, I'm, I'm of the generation, the first movie my parents ever took me to was the Ten Commandments. And I remember it, Moses. You know, that's all. I remember I was knee-high. And it was, I think it had an intermission in the movie. I could barely remember when it first, I went to the original view, oh, not viewing, but when it originally came out. I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. My parents were not really big moviegoers at the time, but that was some reason they, they took me to this movie. And it's been playing every year. And there's, it's, some things in the movie is out of context, and some are for, for Hollywood to, you know, to bring their point across, and they refashion that, that part of the Bible so many times over and over, it doesn't even look right no more. You know, it doesn't look right. So your best content, so what you try to understand about God's Word, is not from Hollywood, it's from God's Word. You know, it's important. And then in chapter 32, and I'm just laying a context so we can get to what we need to do. Chapter 32 of Exodus 15, and Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets, or tables, were written on both sides, on one side, and on the other side they were written. All right, so God, with his finger, wrote something that was understandable to human beings. I mean, that was the first context that it ever did. I mean, think about it. We don't have anything like that now. Anything. All right? I mean, there's all these things you see on the media. I call them drive-by media, whatever you want to see. They, some person has found the hand of God or the writing of God or the shadow of God or the little twist here. It must be God or they even get really off chain. It's, it's the Virgin Mary or this or that. Or it, it, People are seekers of something um, magical, something mystical of God. You know, but here was one that was very significant. Now, this second time, him coming off the mountain was a bit different from the first time. First of all, Moses did not know that his skin of his face shone while he, walked, he talked with him. He didn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal, but he didn't realize it. Doing his stay on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights left a shining glory on his face. He could not see his own face without glass. So those rays of light and glory that darted from his face were so bright and strong that he might have observed it, but his intent was what he wanted to share, what he seen and what he heard, that he took notice of that. He didn't even take notice of the, what was happening to his face because he had communion with God. He had communion with God because of his face, what happened to his face. The last time he came from the mountain was <clears throat> not in a good sense, it was in a bad sense. It was like a glory of the judge. You know, he came down angry. He was upset, ashamed of Isaiah's, um, Israel's adultery. Idolatry. It was. I remember that. <clears throat> you remember the movie. You know, you could think, whoa, he came down and he 
they were doing, making the calf, and everybody was, you know, just off the chain about who God is. They, they felt like they had this true freedom, but it wasn't. They were really just chaotic. And, and Moses was at disgust of what was happening there. So the last time he came, it was, it was, it was, it was like anger, but this time it was a glory like an angel. It was a glory thing because he had news for the people. He had the good news. He had the news of peace and reconciliation. A peace, a all peace. You know, we think about how we define peace in society today, especially when we look at it political. You know, I'm retired military, and um, I did join the military, of course, to uh, get away from my family, get away from my neighborhood, get something legit, see the world. But my intent, why I raised my hand, was to defend this country, was to defend it, to keep the freedom, you know. But the key was, the goal was to stop all wars of everything and not be used as a soldier, but to be ready to bring peace. But I've been retired for almost 16 years, and still it's not peace in the world. It's not peace. It's, it's, it's actually looking far worse than when I was in the military. It hasn't changed a bit. It doesn't matter how many soldiers, airmen, or whatever you may put in front of people, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's just going to get worse. I mean, we're trying to solve with throwing money at all this, but at this time, <clears throat> Moses went there and he brought news for the people of reconciliation. I'm going to have to get that little water here. I don't, that's, a, that's an unusual thing, sorry. You know, I'm going to do the water thing. You know, and I would do like, no, I wouldn't do that. We always ask, would you like some water? And then, no, I won't do that. <clears throat> sorry. I feel better. Now, this word translated shine or shone is closely connected. This just threw me off. I, I, I never knew this. It was translated back then as horn. Whew. So, some people have stated the verb to be horned. From this has risen a popular representation of Moses with horns on his forehead. Now, we start to think horns and we start to relate to what we understand in the Western Hemisphere as something that you might have saw just a couple of days ago coming to your door. Okay? Somebody dressed in something that had horns on it. Okay? And you were like, oh, and you might have seen it. And everybody was in this scared night trying to imitate something like that. But that would be not right. Why would he come down with horns on his head? But if you look at the context of the people of the day, and what they understood, and what they realized, and the only way they can interpret because it was so bright, even if we look, if we can look at the sun with a filter or something, its radiance looks like horns, something coming out from the center of it. So, it was that bright that they couldn't even describe it. They couldn't describe it. The only thing they could think was maybe a translation of horn, and it became popular as horns. And some people try to Take that literally and said that he had horns. They even made statues of him. Looks like he had horns on him coming out of his head. You know? And that wouldn't, I, that wouldn't fit well with me. I don't know about you, but that's just, you know, Moses with horns on his head just wouldn't fit well. But Moses, he heard the same message as before. But he saw more of the glory of God. I mean, think about it. This time, remember the last time he went, he had the, the back of God in a cleft of rock. But this time it was open face, bowed down, but it was worship. It was worship. 
It was like he was changed in the same image as what he saw. It was that bright. It was a great honor done, done to Moses that people might never, ever, ever question his mission, how he thinks, or even speak lightly of him because they know where he's been. They know where he's been. Even Paul states over in the New Testament, if you don't mind turning over, and we read some of this already, and this is going to be a context of what we're going back and forth, is the Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And it states here, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steady at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how would the ministry of of the Spirit not be more glorious? But if the ministry of condemnation has glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. This is for us. This is for us. So I want to challenge. I have what I call insight and challenge. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I get up in the morning, I do my daily chores, but I don't look in the mirror, first of all, because I don't have to present myself to anybody in the house. Before I go outside, i got to look in, my, in the mirror at least once. Now, when I look in the mirror, I, I, I give a motivation, you know, uh, you know pep rally to Devin. You know, hey, you the man. Yes, that's you. That's look at that man. You got a nice hairdo. It's looking good. The shine is just right. You know, my glasses are right. My goatee looking good. I ain't got nothing funny on my face. You know, I look good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when I leave there, I only got that impression. When I you, you don't know what you look like right now. None of you do, unless you can see a reflection in my eyes or something. My glasses. I mean, ladies. I know, son. You know, that's why they put that mirror inside the car. I don't never use that. I don't know what it's for on my side. You know, it's never there for me. She's always, I said, baby, you look good. She goes, mm-hmm, yeah, right. All right, but she's not taking my, she's got to actually look to see what she looks like. You, you, what do they call them little things, compacts or something? Is that what they call They always flip it open and, you know, checking something. I, you know, it's, it's nothing there. And you know how we do this? I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror and I see sun, and I'm not putting, I've talked to her about this before, I'm not embarrassing, we all do the mirror like this. Yes. And when we go out in the world, we don't do that. We don't look that way. We're not looking the same way we put the impression as in the mirror. But when we walk all day, is what we only know what we saw in the mirror. That's it. That's all we saw. So, who, who are you? Who, what do you look like during the day? You know, the key is, what do you look like doing today? Yes, they seen the glory of God on his face. That's Moses. But Moses, he continued to live among the Israelites as a man of God. But not in a visual glow. It wasn't something visual glow. This is the thing that happened all the time. But it was all what he saw on the mountaintop. I mean, the mountaintop experiences. The emotional times of communion with God. Do we take it all day and allow people to know? Do they know? All right. That's what the, the, uh, the, some of the extremes of, of denominationism is moving towards today. You've got to have it emotional. You've got to have it off the chain. They're not coming, and they're not going to get this good feeling. You've got to have this thing, you know? It's like we've got to have all this stuff going on to keep people going, but that's not realist. That's not realization. That's not what God is about. 
You know, it's not the surface value where you're looking and everything is the bells and whistles are moving like that. What about you and me? Do people see Christ every time they look at you? Do they see Christ? Because you have received a Savior. We should let our light shine before men in humility, meekness, and all the instances of a heavenly conversation. It's like we had a heavenly conversation with God. The beauty of God upon us. The beauty of God. What do you represent? That our conversation is that when people meet us, that we have been with Jesus. We have been with him. We have been with him. You know, that's the excitement when we go into lockdowns. We go and meet these kids that never heard about Christ. I know, yes, we live in the Bible Belt. We live in the Western Hemisphere. You think everybody's heard, but they've heard a, a ritualistic form. My mama and daddy went this way, and that's how they did it type of context. But when you speak truth on the way that they can understand, they go, I've never heard about this before. And then you share, we, myself and my wife, son, we talked to him. We've been married, you know, 31 plus years. And they go, oh my goodness, that's ancient. How do you do that? That's crazy. And then, you know, you tell them how we're, Christ is the center of our marriage and how we operate. And when we have a confrontation, we come back to the center of Christ and nothing else. We talk about how God takes care of us and he provides for us and, and we seek for him. They go, whoa, I'm never seen this before okay and then we challenge them about their own hearts and where they can be and they're creating the same image as we are in christ i mean in god they're creating the same image and they seek a god they seek to have communion with him i mean turn over to and see the testimony of peter go over to acts chapter four acts chapter four just to confirm these things so we're not just sticking in the old testament because some people just have a problem with that all right, let's confirm it with the New Testament and confirm it to today. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 8, 8 through 13. It says here in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. It wasn't their education. It wasn't their statue. It wasn't all of this other stuff. It was only what they were speaking to them, and they can realize, they realized that they, the shining, if I may, the shining on their face that they had been with Jesus. Still challenging in, in insight. Are we the same when we're outside the church as we are in the inside? Are we the same? Are we putting on a mask in here? Are we just putting on a show? When we go outside the church, we should be the same. The same walk. There's no difference. Are we consistent? A true Christian, a true worshiper is always the same, both on the inside and outside the church. 
Why do we make this something holy here? Why? It is not. It's a gathering of like-minded people, true. But when we walk out of here, you know, it's like when I see kids in lockdown, I see a lot of jailhouse religion. They leave Jesus inside the jail and they go back into the world. And we go, that's wrong. Well, what do we do? Do we leave Jesus here? And we go out there? We should take Him with us. He should be with us 24-7. Because worship, worshiping God is enjoyable. Now, worship today has been morphed and muddled into something else. It gets out of context. But I, I want to define to you worship. It's very easy. Very easy. Worship is two things. Our fellowship with God, communion, remember communion, that's worship. Remember what Moses did. The reason why his face was changed because he worshiped. He communed with God. All right? There was nothing holding him back. There was no veil. There was no veil. Getting ahead of myself. Two things. Our fellowship with God. And the next thing is proclaiming his message. It goes hand in hand. We need to learn from God as Moses did before we can proclaim. We've got to learn. Learn. This is not just coming here. I got a good message. That was good. I'm sure Bob feels, man, it's just a message that's going to impact, challenge, and, and we sometimes forget what was shared in the afternoon. It's proclaimed. It's proclaimed because we learn. We proclaim. We should take action on it. We should apply it. Um, Moses did before he can proclaim God. God's word, as same as pass on the excuse me. At the same time, we need to pass on His message as God did in order to learn more. When's the last time you passed on God's message to someone? When's the last time? Mine was last night. Not to be boastful, but I am bragging about what God is doing through my life. I'm going to brag. It is it is amazing what we get to see. You know, it is amazing. It doesn't matter how young or old you in here, how old how. Uh, small you are, how untrained you are, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, key thing, then you can proclaim it to the rooftops. Proclaim it to your neighbors and peers. Don't never lose an opportunity. Every opportunity is chance. Do you know, if you ever read any of Ray Comfort's context of, 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 of how, the, how do you witness to something, it's, it, you're really witnessing to somebody like you, their house is on fire and they don't know it. But you know. You know. If you walk up to them as a stranger and say your house, they're going to not believe you. You already have to know them and they already have to know you. Alright? Are you, are you ready to, for that opportunity? Like I told you many years ago, there was a guy in the army and, and I, never, I never stated to anybody that I, hey, I go to church on a Sunday and I wear my Bible this high. Like, we think that's, that's Christianity. Okay? This is me and don't cuss around me. Don't do all this. You know? And one day I was in the parking lot and this guy was struggling with something. He goes, Devin. And he didn't say anything else but one thing to me and it threw me off and I was, I caught off guard. He said, Devin, I know. I need Jesus. And I didn't say nothing. I didn't know what to do. Just caught me off guard. I've lost track of that guy. I don't know whatever happened to him in his life. Oh, God's really got a hold. But right there, I had an opportunity to be a messenger, and I was not. I was not at all. So be ready to share, to confirm why you're like that. Why you're like that. You know, why you're like that. Going back to Exodus. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 34 and, and continuing the context. 
in verse 30. Exodus 34, verse 30. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. They were afraid of him. I mean, they've known this guy through a lot. The, 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 the good and the bad and the ugly. He's been through all the struggles for them. You know? They were afraid. I mean, the sight of his face shocked them. Their conscience, maybe their conscience was still guilty from the past. You know, they had that latest run-in with him. It didn't go too well when he was on the mountain before. There was something majestic, majestic and striking in it that they couldn't define. And perhaps they could not tell whether it was something of good or evil for them because of their past, what they've struggled with already. Maybe it was something good. Maybe it was an omen for them. They were thinking something's getting ready to happen, you know, because of their past mistake. They were challenged by that. This glory was so reflected on his face that Aaron and the people were stricken with awe and fear. They were fearful of what they saw to approach him until he gave the words of encouragement. No testimony needs to be produced here. Nothing. He bore the credentials on his face. So when you walk, wherever you go, the people go, no. How you manage your life. If, if, if the NSA just pulled everything out of your life, would they define you as a follower of Jesus Christ? Will they define you that? Oh, they find something dirty on you. Will they find something? Are you defined that way? Alright? We're all concerned about man's snooping or knowing our, our past. How about God? He knows everything. He knows everything about our lives. No testimony can produce. His credentials on his face where he'd been. Verse 31, continuing on of chapter 34. Then Moses called to them and Aaron and all the rules of the congregation to return to him. And Moses talked with them. Now, they were terrified, I stated. They didn't want to proceed to meet him. They actually went back. They said, no, I'm not going up there. That's scary. I mean, any of us, we're not going to face danger. We're not. You know, I, I don't know if you've been through things in life. You, you said, that's, that's too dangerous. And then you've seen somebody else jump it or whatever. You, how you want to explain this? Hey, it's too bad. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid, and I looked at when at my grandmother's house. There was this shed where I used to we used to go to North Carolina. It was a shed. I can't tell you how high it was. It looks it looks so low now, but back then it looked so high. And we used to get on there, and this is how I learned how to jump out of airplanes. I guess back you know, I, I just imitating. I was jumping out of an airplane. We would jump off that side of that place, this land, and we just do it. I remember the first time it was like no way, and then you see you know you what do you call it dare. I dare you, I dare you, and I jumped. But there was no more fear after I felt comfortable about that. Well, here in this context, you know, Moses encouraged them. All right, he said, come back to me. And he called unto them to meet and come forward. Or excuse me, to return, to return and come forward. Come back, you know, come back. But I want you to keep in context here that something was happening when he came off the mountain. It was something that you cannot see. There's no way... Any of us can look at the sun today with a naked eye. None of us. It would be very dangerous. But his demeanor was so bright, they couldn't even look upon it. But somehow they were starting to they come back to have a conversation with him. And Aaron and all the rules of the congregation returned unto him, knowing him by what? His voice. Knowing by his voice. Well, it's got to be most. It's not a person with horns in it, you know? 
or whatever it may be. They, by his voice and encouraged by his call, who became, excuse me, who before might take him to be some kind of superhuman or something or some kind of, but on this day, on this day, he was appearing in a different manner. And Moses talked with them. He talked with them. After he had put on the veil on his face, he put the veil on his face. Now, this is the challenging part of the, of the message when, it, when we get down to um, verse 33. All right? After he put the veil on his face, of which there is an account in the other verses, he talked with them friendly, because remember how he met them before? Ooh. I mean, some of you kids, you know what I'm talking about. You, you did something wrong, and you don't want to hear that voice. If, my dad today, I, I don't know why I ever was scared of his voice. Today, I, it's not a big deal. He talks to me, it's like my voice. But when he spoke back then, it was like trembles. I was like, he just said something, and I would just shake in my boots. You know, he just had to speak, and I was like, ooh. But then when he spoke to me and as a dad, or you know, I didn't do nothing wrong. I felt content by his voice. But that same voice, if I made a mistake, I felt uncomfortable about it. But he talked to him. He talked to him in a friendly way and told him all that had happened in the mountain. Everything. He told him all things. What a glorious thing he has seen. What a statement of grace and goodness of God had been made, had been made to him. I mean, he, he saw something that was phenomenal to him. That's why his face was so radiant. It was almost in unspeakable words what he saw. What laws and ordinance God had instructed him and them to do, the Israelites. He shared with them again. Verse 32, afterwards all the children of Israel came near. And he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. That is, after Aaron and the rulers, and, you know, they had to check to do it out. All right, had a conversation with Moses. Then the whole body, because there was a lot of, I mean, we're not talking about a group like this. Let's go see Moses. Now, it was, it was a good bit of people, so not everybody can go and see him at one time. All right, we're admitted to come to, before him before him, and hear the laws of God from him. To hear the laws in a friendly way. And he gave them in commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. Besides the two tablets, the testimony written on them, he gave all other commandments he was ordered to write in the book, in a book, which are recorded in the chapter. And he kept back nothing from them, but he urged them, he challenged them to keep all the Lord had commanded. Like in the New Testament, we don't have to turn there. You, you familiar with this chapter in this scripture as Jesus commanded the followers at that time and us in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, what? To observe all things I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always. I mean, this is the key. You know, well, how am I going to do all this? Well, he's going to be with you always. How far? Even to the ends of the age. Amen. That's what he states there. So that confirms what Jesus is confirming a commandment and what Moses was commanding, what God has already told him on the mountaintop experience. Verse 33 of chapter 34 of Exodus. Go back to that. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Now you can see in the sermon notes I put two references there. 
And this is what blew me away. I was like, hmm, hmm. You do that like, hmm, why that happen? Hmm. Well, in the King James, it says, until, or I kind of interpret it as until, Moses had done speaking with them, the King James, and the New King James, and most other translations of what we understand, this context here is it said, when Moses had finished speaking with them. I kept on re- reading this, and I was like, wait a minute, something's, something's a problem here. You know, when he come off the mountain, you know, he had this veil on, or had it off, when did he do, how did he meet these people? They couldn't look at him. So none, not, not when he was done, there had to be no reason for it. There was no reason for him to put the veil. But when he first began to speak to Aaron and the rulers and continued to speak to the congregation until he had finished what he had to say, then he did what follows. Because of the, what we could, he, they couldn't look at that. As soon as he received, there was a glory in his face which they could not bear to look at. They could not bear to look at it. It's still, this piece of this scripture still challenged me why it almost looks like two different things. From the King James to the New King James and other translations of this. After, excuse me, which they could not bear to look at, then he put the veil on his face. That veil was with the greatest respect removed when speaking to God, to the Lord. It was, it was the greatest respect. Why? For everyone appears unveiled to the eyes of God. Every one of us. But it was replaced on returning to the people, after he returned to the people, to speak to them. And this was symbolic of the dark and faint character of that times. The times they were struggling with all these issues and what they already done. I mean, you know, if you did somebody something, something bad to somebody, if you really haven't got to the point, you always think when you see them, uh, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking what I did in the past. And Aaron and everybody and the Israelites were thinking, hmm, I must have did something um, um, weird here that, you know, challenged them. And they're still thinking it's really on their mind. My little tablet was doing something weird. He was doing weird stuff. Okay? Getting back to that. Their sins against their deliverer. Remember where they've been delivered from. Do we forget that sometimes? Where we come from? What he brought us through? You know? We need to confirm in our own lives, our personal lives, our testimony, our gauge, the milestone of where God has brought us from. We were not born Christians. We were born wretched sinners going to hell. But there was a time in our day, in our life, that God changed us, transformed us into a new person. We got to remember that day. Not a significant day like we celebrate, that's good too, but honor that. That it, he changed us. Have you ever looked at folks that used to be just like, and go, I used to think just like that. Not to be ugly and bad, but just to think, wow, I used to have that same feeling. But God did that. Not you or me. It's God that did that. So, their sins against their deliverer, our sin nature against our Savior, the veil. The contents of the, the scripture was read this morning earlier in our scripture reading. Let's turn to that. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one to eighteen. Paul confirms this about Moses. He confirms this. Not to read the whole chapter or the thing we read before. Let's drop down a couple of verses to um, where it says, and I don't have my scripture numbers in here, but we'll go with it. Okay. Well, let's read the whole thing. I don't mind. 
do you begin do you do we begin again to command ourselves or do we need as some others epistles or com- commendations to you or letters of commendation from you you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly you are epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart and we have such trust through Christ towards God that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how would the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? But if the ministry of commendation has glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious has no glory in its respect because of the glory that excels. But if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is more glorious. Therefore, here's the key. Therefore, since we have no, excuse me, since we have such hope, his great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until today the same veil remains unlifted, unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away by Christ or in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on his heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty for all who with unveiled faces beholden as in a mirror. Remember my mirror. The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just by the Spirit of the Lord. Confirms that. Paul continues to confirm this. Let's look at Romans chapter, chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. It's a lot of confirmation of what happened at this point. Paul is using this as references. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. It says here, brethren and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God and for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they have been ignored or ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, but not submitted to the righteousness of God. Key thing. For God is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Man, what a freedom there. Just have to stop there. And think about that. What a freedom. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The, the man who does those things should live by them. But the righteousness of faith this way. Do not say in your heart, who would ascend into heaven? That is, bring Christ down from above. Or who will ascend to the abyss? Who would descend, descend to the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unrighteous, unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Amen to that. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same God over all is rich in all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls. Then Paul brings it to perspective in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Flip over there. Lots of scripture reading this morning. 
key thing just to bring this home. Second Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It states here, Paul, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame and not walked in craftiness, nor handled the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commanding ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Amen. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant, Jesus Christ, for it is God who commands the light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our heart to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Confirming things in our lives. Insight and challenge for each one of us. Who was speaking in Exodus? Was it Paul? Was it Moses or God? Who was it? Could they look at Moses? No. They couldn't. He put the veil back on the face. You can tell when someone's been with Jesus because their face is radiant. I mean, you think about it. If you were coming off a mountaintop experience, whatever you experience that makes you excited in life, sometimes we forget the mundane things of life and we run. I don't know about when you were a kid, but I know kids, sometimes when daddy comes home, they're dropping all their toys to go to daddy. They're going. They drop everything that's less important to be with daddy. And their face is radiant to see their father. Are we radiant to see our father? Do the world know that? When we've been with Jesus, we carry a different spirit. We carry a different look. We carry a different character. We've been changed. We've been changed. I know what old Devin used to look like. Yeah, he had more hair, you know. But, but that Devin is dead. He's dead. He doesn't exist no more. God is transforming. You know, we think, you know, people, we think of Halloween and we go, oh, it's so possessive. People are possessed by the devil. Well, you're either possessed by the devil or possessed by the Holy Spirit. What are you possessed with? We can't live in both worlds. You've got to be possessed with the Holy Spirit. That's what lives in you to change everything. You can't live in the middle. There's no gray matter here. Not at all. Finishing up with verse 34 and 35 of chapter 34 of Exodus. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. Going back to 33. And when he would go to stay with us in 34 and 35, he would come out and speak to the children of whatever he had been commanded. And whatever the children of Israel saw, whenever they saw his face of Moses, that skin of Moses' face shone. The Moses, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. God, he went to speak with him. He went to it. When he went to the tabernacle, and we'll, you'll, you'll look into chapter 35 and how the thing is put together and how it's placed. When he went into the tabernacle to meet with him, to pray unto him, and to inquire about matters of difficulty respecting the Israelite people, which he often did, he struggled. That's the only place where he can get real answers. His communion with God. There's nowhere else. Only there. Do you get frustrated at times? And all of a sudden you go to everybody except God to get an answer and it just don't fit your need. 
And sometimes the challenge with it, you don't, you, you go to them, it might fit your needs and it convinces you of something, but when you go to God, it's unconvincing and it's uncomfortable. But He really wants you to, within His will. He took the veil off when He came out. And so, men and women, when men and women are truly converted and turn to the Lord, the veil of darkness and unbelief is removed. It's removed. It's removed. And the true light shines in which we see, see in another light than we did before. I mean, there's many lights, but this is the true light. This is the light. When we come into His presence, we come with a heart open and unveiled. All things become naked. Open to Him. It's open. With an open face as in the glass. Behold the glory of God. When we get to heaven, we'll see Him face to face. Are you ready? Are you looking for that? I am. I'm looking for that day to see Him face to face. And so I'll be known as who I truly am. Paul confirms this again. We won't turn back to that Second 2 Corinthians 3. Key verse is 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I have to live this all, all the time when I see kids. I don't know their heart. Only God knows. When they make that confession of faith, when they say they seek Him. You know, I was telling Bob, we were up in one of our facilities in Atlanta, YDC, and luckily... Well, God's will, provision. we got in on time this time, somehow. Have you heard me in the past? It takes us, sometimes we sit there for an hour. And we get in the flesh, and we're going to leave, you know. And then God shows up and does something really unique. But this time we got in time, on time for some reason. We got in there with some boys in there cleaning up the dining hall where we usually meet. A guy was in there and says, Devin, I'm glad to see you again. He says, I'm going to be preaching soon. I said, what do you mean? He says, I got my message. He had these notes and he showed them to me. And he had all these notes. He had references, scriptures. And he, goes, I said, he said, you see the title of my message? I said, oh yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He says, I'm going to be preaching. I said, well, I hope I can be here. He says, they're going to allow me to do this. And he says, you know, I'm really seeking what you stated last month. I really want to seek and preach about the better things of life. The heavenly things. All right? No bond name things. No do's and don'ts. No rules. Okay? See, we, we put Christianity in a box like that. And we say there's a bunch of rules. And nobody on this earth can live within that. Nobody. It's only what God is teaching us and what He's taking us to. Insight, attention up here. Based on this 2 Corinthians 3. Every veil must be thrown aside when we come into the presence to the Lord. What veil do you need to take care of? What sin do you need to take care of? What challenge? You won't be free until you get rid of it. You know. I just, I'll be, when you reach that freedom, it's so much freedom when you get rid of that dross, that ugliness, that veil. So much freedom. All the things that you were seeking, all the answers you were seeking will come to fruition. There it is. Will come to your knowledge. It will. It will. Finishing up with my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 12, 1 and 2. You heard it many times. Let's say it real slow. It states here, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, I urge you, I challenge you, dear brother and sisters, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, unveiled, holy, acceptable to God, unveiled, 
which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, veiled, but be transpired by the renewing of your mind, unveiled, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, unveiled. Jesus continues to confirm this also for us in, in John eight verses, John chapter eight verses thirty one through thirty two. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, "If you abide in me, unveiled, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, make you free, unveiled. You will know all truth. You will know it. That's what we seek. We always say we are Christian, Christ like little Christians." Well, what does that mean? Are we using it as a cliche? Because the culture that I deal with today, they will write you off in a minute. They don't see the fruit as it states in Galatians. They will write you off. They will write you off. They're looking for genuine. They're looking for realism. Conclusion. We are freed in Christ. We have direct worship to God. Unveiled. Let us experience God's glory and radiance. Moses complied with the Lord's directives. And so magnificent was their encounter that when Moses next appeared to the people at the foot of the mountain, his face shone before God's reflection glory. So much as that he forced, or excuse me, he was forced to wear a veil in their presence as we have already stated. He then urged, encouraged them to construct the tabernacle, reminding them, However, that they need to abide by the Sabbath law. They need to Sabbath. This is going to stay in chapter 35. So the question is for all of us. is When was the last time you, at, you were asked to veil your reflection of God's glory? In this culture today, we're going to be limited. I think we're at that time. We are. Well, we're restrained on our belief system as You've already, we have already voted on a, a different changes in our policies and things, how the world will look at us. Are we ready for that? How much are we going to have to put in place? I think there's going to be a time that we'll be restricted and persecuted, and we will have to endure that in persecution for the name of Jesus. We will have to endure it. Are you ready? If you're not, you need to really check your heart right now, because it's coming. It is coming. It definitely is. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your opportunity to speak truth. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ here, Father. As we dig into your word, I pray that what was said was not of me. They didn't see me. They saw you, Father. What was said will not come back void, but be challenging even to the, the, just the inner chambers of our heart, Father, of our, our challenge, our spirit, Lord. That we seek you, Lord. We, 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 uh, inventory ourselves. We analyze. Even before we go before the Lord's Supper, Father. That we challenge ourselves to be convicted of anything that needs to be unveiled in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.